Revelation chapter number 1 this morning. We'll be looking in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter number 1. And it is good to just to be in church, isn't it? And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, what the Lord has for us today and uh, week after week. And then when the day's over, I'll already start looking forward to next Sunday. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us. And I certainly want to look into the Word of God this morning. Uh, for our text this morning, I'm going to read the first three verses of Revelation chapter number 1. And uh, the message this morning will be a little uh, unusual, a little different in the sense that uh, we are going to look throughout the entire book of Revelation. Uh, there's some things that I want to point out this morning. Now, there's no way this will be exhaustive of the book of Revelation. Uh, but I do want to keep your Bible open to the book of Revelation. And we will read a lot of Scripture this morning. We're going to, throughout the course of the message, read several chapters uh, of the book of Revelation. I want you to stay with me. I want you to follow along. And I believe uh, the message will be a help to us and an encouragement to us, a challenge to us this morning. Revelation chapter number 1, we'll begin reading with verse number 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of the prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. I want you to notice that last phrase of verse number 3. For the time is at hand. This morning I want to preach a message I've entitled, It's Closer Than You Think. It's closer than you think. Father, I pray this morning that you would uh, help us. I pray that you would give me uh, the Holy Spirit's power this morning. May the Word of God... Be real to us. Uh, Father, if there's one this morning who's unsaved, uh, whether in the service, listening online, may they realize their need of salvation and realize they may not have as long to prepare their soul as they think they do. And Father, may today be the day that they uh, choose Christ as their payment for sins. And Father, for the child of God today, may we be reminded of some things in Scripture. May we uh, be convicted. May we be challenged. May we uh, be encouraged. And Father, I pray that you'll just use the message this morning to your will and your purpose. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, we know the, a, the background of the book of Revelation and the verse, three verses of chapter number one reminds us uh, that this John uh, was given a front row seat as these things were revealed to him of the things to come. As we come to the book of Revelation this morning, the last book of the Bible, we're reminded that everything that has taken place prior to what we read this morning, uh, we read the Old Testament, go through the Old Testament, everything that the Bible said would happen has happened. Those Old Testament prophets prophesied of the Messiah. They prophesied of the Son of God. He came. Uh, proph prophecy of Him rising again three days later. He did that. Uh, he ascended into heaven, and certainly uh, we look at the book of Revelation, and I want us to be reminded of some things this morning. I'm just going to point out a, a few things for us to be reminded of uh, with this, this, the first three verses in context that, that I'm certain will be a challenge to us this morning. Uh, but as we uh, look at things that are going on in our day, uh, if I have heard this once, I've heard it a thousand times over the last few months, these are unprecedented times. 
never in my lifetime have I experienced something like this. Uh, what is going to happen as we move forward? This, what is the new normal? And certainly events that have taken place over the last few days, uh, certainly as this world is in turmoil, our nation is in turmoil, uh, we can say the simple answer to all, everything that we see is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but I want to remind you and I as a child of God this morning of some things. Uh, we should be interpreting uh, through Scripture the world's events that are taking place. And I'm afraid sometimes we as Christians, we interpret Scripture through the opposite lens, through the events that are taking place in this world. And for you and I as a child of God, we should always be looking at the Bible as our source of truth, number one, our source of direction, but it can also be uh, the, the, the source of our, of our confidence, uh, the source of our uh, strength as we look at what is going to take place. We should not interpret things that go on in this world uh, through fear, through anger, or uncertainty. Oftentimes, we look at situations, whether it be things that are taking place in our world or just in our everyday life, and we interpret them, we get meaning out of them because we're looking at them through our fear. Or we look at them through our limited knowledge. Or we look at them through the lens that somebody else gives to us. Now, we would all say, and those who would be political conservatives would say, don't look to ABC, NBC, CNN for your facts and your view on the things that take place in this world. But I would also say to you and caution you as a Christian, don't look to Fox News or political commentators to get your view on what's going on in this world. Because Scripture tells us what is going on in this world. You say, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? Because uh, you and I ought to get our response to what's going on in this world from one place, and that's the Word of God. We should not get it by an emotional reaction. We should not get it by things that we may see uh, th through a newscast. We should not get it by, by the things that we hear around us. And certainly, all of those things that take place in the world today have an effect on us. The events that have taken place over the last few months in our nation has had an effect on us. But you and I must look to the Word of God. There are those that believe in this book, and I promise you, if you believe in this book, your confidence in this is in this book, you study this book, you are more confident today than the rest of this world. You are more at peace today than the rest of this world. Notice verse number 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. We are told that the man is blessed who pays attention to the book of Revelation. The man is blessed who reads it. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid that we pay more attention to the, to the other 65 books of this Bible, more attention than we do to the, this last book. And we, as God's people, need to be aware of what God has already told us is going to take place. If we look at the end and we work backwards, it will help us as the church, it will help us as part of the church to know how to respond, to know how we are to live. <clears throat> so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you... <clears throat> four quick things, they won't be quick, but I'll give you four things this morning uh, because I am going to read a lot of Scripture uh, with the foundation of it's closer 
than you think. We are told in Scripture that Christ's return is imminent. He can come at any time. I, I draw my attention, it catches my attention in verse number 1, uh, where, where God is saying, which must shortly come to pass. God's calendar is different than yours and mine. Uh, God's watch is different than yours and mine. God is not bound by time. We are told several times in the New Testament to be aware of Christ's coming. It's going to be unannounced. Uh, there are some signs of the times that we can be aware of, some things that the Scripture tells us are going to be in place before He returns. And let me just say this morning, Christ could come today. He could return today. We ought to be looking for Him. We ought to be ready for Him. And so uh, the time is at hand. I believe this with my whole heart. There are going to be those who stand at the great white throne of judgment, and they, they stand before God, and they are, they are condemned to an eternity in hell for their sins, and there's going to be people there who thought they had more time to get that cared for. They thought they had more time to trust Christ. They thought they had more time to give attention to, to the most important matter of their heart and their soul. There's going to be a lot of Christians uh, who enter eternity one day, and they, and they kept putting off doing more for God. They kept putting off. They said, I'll have my time for me, and then I'll get serious about the work of God. There's going to be many Christians, and, and I believe we'll all have a measure of shame because we did not do more, but there's going to be many who, who wasted their life. They thought they had more time to serve the Lord. But I want us to look this morning, and I want to give you four things that are closer than you and I think. Closer than we think. We look at the book of Revelation many times and say, well, that's just so far into the future. That's so far into eternity, I don't even need to pay attention to that. Well, this morning, I want us to draw our attention to four things. And the first one I want us to see in number, number one that's closer than we think is the return. Look with me at verse number five. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake to me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. 
and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Friend, it's closer than you think the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's closer than you think that the, the, the trumpet that sounds. It's closer than you think that He, which is, is going to come in the clouds and call us home. And we were reminded in verse number 5, He's the first begotten of the dead. He's the risen Son of God. He's the risen Savior. We're reminded at the end of the chapter uh, that He is the one that was dead and now lives. He has the keys of death and hell. Friend, is closer than you think <clears throat> the one who conquered death, the one who conquered hell, is returning for those who are the redeemed. I'm reminded at the end of verse number 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I'm talking about the Redeemer. I'm talking about the Son of God. I'm talking about the spotless Lamb that was slain. I'm talking about our high priest who sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat to cover our sins. I'm talking about the Redeemer of sinful men is going to return and he's calling his home his own to be with him. Friend, you and I, we should not be in fear this morning. You and I, we should not be, be, be overly concerned this morning because it's closer than you think the Son of God is returning. God in heaven is not surprised by what goes on in our world. God in heaven is not shaking this morning because of unrest throughout the world. He is secure on His throne in His omniscience, in His omnipotence, and He has already written how the story is going to end. In each day that goes by, each crisis that takes place, each, each uncertainty that you and I endure, it gets us a moment closer to the return of the Son of God. Friend, let me tell you today, let me remind you today, that He is returning again. Christ is coming back. Christ is calling His own home. And friend, if you don't know Him this morning as your personal Savior, his, that trumpet sounding is closer than you think. His returning is closer than you think. Friend, this morning, as a Christian, we should not live scared. We should not live in fear. We should not live without hope because the day is going to, 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 to take place. It may, it may be today. It may be tomorrow. I anticipate and look for it to be in my lifetime because I want to be ready for the trumpet to sound. I want to be ready because, you say, well, Pastor, that is so far into the future. Oh, not according to my Bible. That my Bible tells me, for the time is at hand. He could return today, and His return is closer than you think. What an event that is going to be. But after His return, after that trumpet sounds, after the saved, the redeemed, are raptured out of this world. You think there's turmoil now. Unlike has ever been seen. And let me just clarify, I don't have time to teach a whole class this morning. We are not in the tribulation now. Tribulation does not take place until after 
Christ calls us home. So while things we see in this world that are horrible and that are frightening, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to what the Scripture tells us is going to take place after the return. And this morning, if the return is closer than you think, then it is also true, secondly, that the ruin is closer than you think. This world in all of this magnificence, this world and man and all of its accomplishments and achievements, the world governments that come to power and obtain the wealth and pull the strings for all of mankind on this earth <clears throat> after the return takes place, there is a ruin in this world unlike it has never seen. Let me read for you from chapter number 8. And of course, we cannot get to everything today, but I want to give you a picture of what is going to take place in this day. And I will read a lot of scripture here, so please stay with me this morning. Revelation chapter number 8 and verse number 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. The angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and there followed hell and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth and the third part of trees was burned up and all green grass was burned up. Uh, the environmentalists are going to have a hard time. Verse 8, and the second angel sounded... And as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. The third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. The third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the part, third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpets, the three angels which are yet to sound. I'll read chapter 9 in just a moment. But after that return and God calls His children home, here's just a glimpse in one chapter. And we see in verse number 13, the three woes to the inhabitants of the earth. Those that are saved will be raptured out. Those that remain are going to face a ruin like this world cannot imagine. Verse number 9, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. 
And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. It was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but, they, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared in a battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. They had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. They had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt me in five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is the Hebrew tongue, is abated, and in the, but in the Greek tongue his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there came two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents, and, their, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. And they should not worship devils and, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Hollywood cannot write a script that is more scary than what this world is going to see. This world cannot comprehend. You say, Pastor, why are you saying this? Why, why are you teaching this? Are you trying to frighten us? No, no, friend, you and I, we don't have to be afraid of this. We will not be here. All the doomsday, all the naysayers, and all those that say this is the end of the world. Oh, no, you haven't seen anything yet, but it's closer than you think. This old wicked world who follows the way of our adversary, the evil one, Satan, who, who wishes the churches away, who wishes the Christians away, I've got news for them. One day, they're going to get their wish. One day it's going to take place and God is going to call His redeemed home. The Son of God is coming back. The one who has conquered death and hell, the Redeemer of men, He's returning. And we are going to be raptured out of here. And then this world will get its wish. And it will be such a dark day, such a, a devious day. We've read but a portion of that which is going to take place, but it's going to be so horrible that men will wish to die, but they cannot die. Men will wish to end it, and they cannot end it because of the wrath and the judgment that God reigns out on this earth. 
but neither repented they. After all of that takes place, they still don't repent. It's an interesting study to read through the book of Revelation and just note the word blasphemy or blasphemies. You'll find that when one of the trumpets is sound or the woes or the vials are poured out, you'll find many times the reaction after they experience those horrible events, they look to heaven and they blaspheme God, even in the midst of that. Friend, don't be surprised at the blaspheme of today. Don't be surprised at the hard hearts and those who have sealed their faith. Don't be surprised, but let me just tell you this morning, you and I need to be reminded the return is closer than we think. The ruin is closer than we think. Hey, man's going to puff themselves up. Kingdoms are going to establish themselves. And, and the day is coming, though, when they will have not be in control. And things which have never been seen before will be seen and experienced in this day. I read again in verse number 16, a few more verses that give us another picture. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways, pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Chapter 16, verse 2, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. Hey, let me just, just help you. Um, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. I'm not saying you should take it or not take it. I'm just saying, um, don't let the devil scare you. Don't let this world scare you into thinking that things are taking on. Everything we see today is getting us ready for what we're reading right now. But as a child of God, I don't, I'm not going to have to worry about it. I'm not going to have to be concerned with it because the return is taking place first. The Son of God's coming back, and those that are the redeemed will be raptured out of here. Some of you are going to have to detox everything you've seen on Facebook over the last three months. Chapter 3, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. Verse 5, And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast, and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. They have shed the blood of saints and prophets. and Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Let me just interject this. Uh, the persecution of God's people has not gone unnoticed. There's a Righteous God in heaven. And we see it in the scripture. You've shed the blood of the prophets. You've shed the blood of the saints. I give you blood to drink. Don't think the wickedness of this world goes unnoticed. Verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. The way of the kings of the east might be prepared." What a horrible time 
What a horrible, horrible account of events that are going to take place. The return is closer than we think. The ruin is closer than we think. And we'll move to number three in just a moment, but I want to remind you of how our text began this morning. Revelation chapter 1, the first three verses, we are reminded, blessed is the man who pays attention. So, Pastor, I'm not going to be here. I'm not concerned about it. But you and I need to be reminded of how horrible it's going to be. God's people are removed. And the judgment and the wickedness that is going to take place. But after the return and after the ruin, we move to number three. We move to the reckoning. The giving of an account of mankind. And I'll draw your attention to Revelation chapter number 20 in verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, if you were to read the first part of chapter 20 and go back to verse number 19, you're going to find that Satan is bound in the bottomless pit. And then the millennial reign of Christ will take place in verse number 7, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. This is after so many of these things have taken place. This is after Armageddon. And that the men, the armies who will gather together in the Son of God, by the words He speaks, will slay the armies of the world. And friend, and some of you that were with me uh, earlier in Israel, you look at that valley of Megiddo. And how wide it is. It's not a ditch where the blood is going to rise to the bridles. It is a valley that stretches a large expanse. And how God himself, the Son of God, will defeat the armies that continue to defy. But after that has taken place, now we see Satan is loosed once again. In verse number 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. What a great promise. What a great reminder. The devil, the evil one, is going to be cast into that lake of fire forever. He will have deceived his last man. He will have wrought his last act of destruction because the reckoning is going to come and it's closer than you think. We do have an adversary and God will deal with his adversary, but we continue to read in verse number 11, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was, no, it was found no place for them. I'll pause right there. This world that hates God. We've read the account of some things that those who are left here in this time, they're going to encounter, and then they, when they endure it, 
they're going to look to heaven and blaspheme God. When they find themselves before a great white throne, the scripture tells us, whose face, the earth, and the heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. There'll be no using God's name in vain. In verse number 11, God's name will no longer be a curse word to the blasphemer, to the self-proclaimed atheist who stands in a college classroom and takes young, naive minds and begins to interject in them that there is no God and that Jesus is a fairy tale. There'll be a different attitude. This world will try and flee and never be able to get away from the one who sits on the great white throne of judgment. Verse number 12, we continue and get the picture. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Those that lose their life during that great tribulation, who did not know God, will be called up. But the rich man, who begged Abraham for a drop of water to cool his tongue, who by this time has been suffering for thousands of years, will be called up. Those who die without Christ in the year 2020, after all of this time passes, will be called up. You think of the most wicked men in history who've ever lived, they'll be called up. And I saw the dead, small and great, the common man, the king, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead that which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. What a horrible Man cannot even describe that scene. The only thing we have to draw a picture is what the Scripture tells us. And it is enough to give us an idea of how horrible this is going to be. This is man at his worst. This is man with no blood applied to cover the sins. This is man and all of the wicked works they have done. And the Scripture tells us they're going to be judged according to their works. The sins that they have committed are going to be, they are going to be judged by those. Let me just stop right there and say, thank God the redeemed will never answer for one sin they've ever committed. 
When we get to this place in eternity, there's never going to be an account for our sins because when God looks at our record, He sees the perfection of His Son through the applied blood. Thanks be to God for salvation. Thanks be to God for redemption. Thanks be to God for forgiveness. But in this situation, with those who have never been redeemed, the role is going to be called. And when lost man stands before a great and terrible judge, their works are going to be read. Pastor, what does that mean? Let me give you an illustration. Adolf Hitler will stand before God. This is how I think. I could be wrong. But I think the name of every Jew that was murdered at the hand of Adolf Hitler will be read. Every wicked and evil action of that monster of a man will be read. That's one illustration. I believe those who knowingly and willingly take the lives of unborn children, there'll be no, there'll be no laughter, there'll be no bragging about selling body parts, there'll be no mocking the position of whether or not they're a fetus or a life, They'll stand before a holy, perfect, righteous God and they will give an account of every life that they have taken. Every sin, every thought, everything that they thought they got away with for all those who have ever lived. The reckoning is coming. The book's have to be balanced. Satan will be dealt with. And now every man who's ever lived and did not accept Christ, they'll be called before God. They'll be judged according to their works. What will the verdict be? We see it in verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The reckoning is closer than we think. I want to end with the remainder of my time with number four, with the reign. The reign of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The return is closer than you think. It could take place today. See, Pastor, are you discouraged by the things that take place in this world? No, I'm not discouraged. And while I might be sympathetic and I, I might be heartbroken about how people's lives are affected and in those that, that die with no hope, and certainly I am sensitive to those things, but I don't look at this world and the things that are taking place any way other than we're getting a step closer to Christ returning. 
And everything that takes place is just getting us closer to that point. And oh, what a time that's going to be for Jesus to come on those clouds and for that trumpet to sound and for those that are still alive and remain. We'll, we'll see those who have gone before us, passing us as we, as we enter into that, the presence of the Son of God. And we are going to be called out. The ruin that's going to take place on this earth for those seven years, the great tribulation. Then we have the reckoning in man. There'll be no haughtiness. There'll be no pride. There'll be no more. Well, I don't believe that, so it doesn't apply to me. The face of man will run and not be be able to get out of the presence of God. Scripture tells us at the end of verse number, chapter number 20 and verse 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But John continues with what he has seen in chapter number 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Let that sink in for just a moment. You think of the Old Testament and how they had to set up that tabernacle to signify God's presence everywhere they went. That new heaven comes out of earth. And the Scripture tells us, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with them, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse number 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. It's a new heaven. It's a new earth. The reckoning has taken place. The ruin has taken place. And now old things are passed away. Verse number 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and had the gates twelve angels." And names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the walls of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth of the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, an hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. 
And the building of the wall of it was of, jas- of, a ja- of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, and the third uh, uh, chalcedony, and the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysophorus, the eleventh a, a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several, every several gate was of one pearl. The street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. What a city. What a place. But it gets better. Verse 22. And I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb were the temple of it. And the city had no need of, a, of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is light thereof. Well, how's that city going to be lit? Oh, the glory of God. The glory of God will be all the light that we need. The glory of God will be all that we need to light that city. Verse 24, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. There shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The most exclusive neighborhood that will ever exist is that new city with the walls and the gates. But the gates are always open because nobody will enter those gates unless their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Of life. Hey, here on this side of eternity, it may be determined by our income, our standing, what kind of a neighborhood we live in. But friend, through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, when all is said and done, and the return has taken place, and the ruin has taken place, and the reckoning is taking place, there is a rain that will take place. In that new heaven, we continue reading in verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 1, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were of the heal- for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and a servant shall serve Him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto them, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly, which must shortly be done. Verse 7. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Our text, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Verse 3 reminds us that blessed is the man that 
reads, knows, and keeps the sayings or the prophecies of this book. Christian, there's a rain coming. And it's closer than you think. Pastor, it's, that sounds like a long way away. I mean, Christ is going to rule a thousand years in between the, the ruin and, and, and the reckoning and, and the rain. You see, we leave the confines of this flesh and we leave the restrictions of this world and we enter into His presence. A day is but a thousand years and a thousand years is but a day. And for eternity, you and I, as a child of God, will spend our eternity in this wonderful place called heaven with no sin, no imperfection, no disappointment, no death, no sorrow. Some of us would like to go one day. We'd like to go one 24-hour period without some sort of pain. We like to go one 24-hour period without being reminded of a broken heart. We like to go just 24 hours of peace. Friend, how about eternity? Hey, you run your race down here. This is closer than you think. Verse number 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. Say, Pastor, what is your prayer with all that's going on in this world? Even so come Lord Jesus. You and I have a responsibility to be ready for the return. And friend, this morning, are you ready for Christ's return? Can you go back to a time in your life when you've trusted Christ as your Savior? Because it's for the redeemed will hear the trumpet sound. The redeemed will enter into His presence, and you better know that you're saved. And friend, if you're saved, you've been born again, you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, are you looking for Him? Are you ready? You have a responsibility to the book of Revelation in the sense that you need to be ready for Christ's return. You need to be looking for Him today. You better be right with your God today. Hey, don't be flirting with this world that He's going to judge and not be ready for His return. He is coming again, and you and I should be serving Him faithfully until He comes. What does it tell us? What does it tell us when we think of the ruin and how horrible that is going to be? First of all, I'm thankful that I don't ever have to see a day of it. I won't ever have to, ever have to see a moment of it. That is for those who have rejected Christ, those who have not received Christ. We will not be here, but yet it ought to speak very clearly to us that if the trumpet did sound today, who do we know would be left behind? Which neighbor have we yet to witness to? Which co-worker have we yet to invite to church? Which family member have we yet to pick up the phone and say, Hey, I've been praying for you. You've got to receive Christ. You've got to realize that the time is coming. While I'm excited and I'm glad that I'll never spend a moment as described in the horrible events that will take place during that tribulation period, if the trumpet did sound the day, yes, all of the, 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 the horrors of this world will be left behind. But who do we know? We've never received a clear presentation of the gospel for us. How many lost people will have gone unprayed for? How many churches will be ashamed because they never ran a bus, because they never had a soul wedding time? 
Because they never supported a missionary. Well, we have a responsibility as chapter 1, the first three verses tell us we have a responsibility to the book of Revelation, first of all, to be ready for His return. The ruin that's going to take place. The reckoning. Walk by the Spirit today so that you're not defeated by your adversary. Because the day is coming, God will deal with him. He'll deal with him. What a horrible scene that great white throne of judgment is going to be. What a horrible scene. We're going to be looking for his appearing. I'm convinced in the years I've lived, the time in ministry I've been in, probably the number one reason why Christians don't pray what's written in verse 20 of chapter 22. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Is because they're not ready for Him to come. This morning we'll go to the invitation. My purpose of this message is very simple. Just to remind us that it's closer than, than we think. Well, I've heard a lot of talk amongst Christians. I've read a lot of opinion among Christians. This is all getting us closer. But yet, are Christians living as if we're getting closer? Christian, don't be enamored by this world. God's judging this world. Pastor, all these horrible things that are going on, what what is the answer? We need a political revolution. No, we're experiencing in America what happens when God's people focus on a political revolution and not a scriptural revival. We're seeing it. We don't need it. I'm not minimizing the responsibility to vote. You ought to vote. Before you vote, you ought to pray. You got to witness. You got to live a holy life and not a carnal life. Because the things I talked about this morning that the Bible reminds us of, they're closer than you think. If the trumpet sounded today, would you be ready? Would your soul be prepared? Would you face the great white throne, the reckoning, or would you look forward to the rain? Is your fellowship as it should be with God? Is your relationship as it should be with God? If it's not, then let's do something about that this morning. Then while there would be rejoicing, there would be an instant shedding of a burden for the Christian. If that trumpet sounded today, I want to think for a moment, who do we know? They'll be left left behind to endure what we read is going to take place. Would we cancel our desires for more social activities at church, for more soul winning activities at church, if we keep in perspective? I'm not against the social. I just want us to have perspective. That if we're going to live as it could come today, we need to be doing all that we know to do.
to be ready for his coming. Father, I pray this morning.